You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Late Night Gamecock Show. My name is Matt, and um, we're going to get this show started. If um, this is your first time listening to the show, don't don't feel weird about that, because this is actually the first show, so you haven't missed anything at all. Um, so this is going to be the Late Night Gamecock Show. It's a part of the uh, family of shows from JC, JB, and Phil. Um, if you guys are not currently checking out that show, make sure you are. It um, airs every weekday on YouTube at 11 a.m., and they go for about two hours and just have a really good time talking Gamecocks. You'll you'll hear um, some friendly banter and some fun conversations, and it really is a staple in my life, so I'm I'm excited to be a part of the show and um, bring you Gamecock content. Um, Again, my name is Matt, and you're going to be able to find me on The Big Spur, on Twitter. Um, I have an email account, so you can definitely reach out to me any way that works best for you. Um, if you are a member of the Big Spur, um, make sure to drop me a line. Um, I'll have an account there here pretty soon, and um, we can have some threads going with Q&A that we can talk about on the show. You can send me some direct messages, but the best way to connect with me right now is by sending me an email. Um, you can send your emails to show at gmail.com. Um, I'll be checking that a couple times a day, so go ahead and, and shoot your questions to me if you have any concerns, comments, anything like that. Um, I want to be as interactive with you guys as I possibly can be. Um, you know, this show is about you. It's about Gamecock sports, everything that happens in the world of Gamecock. So obviously right now we're, we're really excited for the regionals and moving on to the super regionals and the Gamecocks are finally rounding back into form on the baseball diamond. And it's what we love to see, you know, as, as Gamecock fans, we take a lot of pride in our baseball and we take a pride in baseball from a young age. I mean, I think that some of the best baseball in the country is played at the, the grassroots level, the high school level. And, um, you know, you're talking about travel baseball and obviously college baseball. Um, South Carolina has a lot to be proud, proud about there. So we're going to talk a lot about baseball today. Um, we're going to talk about some stuff that's going on with Gamecock football recruiting world. Um, the summer is a busy, busy, busy time for, for all the coaches and all the athletes that are out there being recruited. So we're going to talk about all of that. Um, just to give you a little bit of background on me, um, I figured I really should introduce myself since none of you guys know me. Again, my name is Matt. I've been around the University of South Carolina my entire life. Um, my first memories usually include some connection to Gamecock sports events. So, you know, my wife gives me a hard time because I, I remember things in life based on if the Gamecocks won or lost, what I was watching, um, you know, what player did this, you know, yada, yada, yada. So um, I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. I'm glad you're here for it. Um, again, like I said, we're going to start out with some podcast format here, then eventually move into YouTube, and it'll be a lot more interactive that way. So I'm excited for it. And with all of that out of the way, let's get on to Late Night Gamecock Show. I think the the best place to really start here is let, let's talk about the regional. Um, as South Carolina fans, you know we've been a bit spoiled when it comes to comes to our baseball program. 
Um, it is not just the, the Ray Tanner years. Um, while those were great, you know, we have a strong history of going to Omaha. We have a strong history of really being at the top of the sport. So the last couple of years have been have been really tough for us as Gamecock fans. You know, wanting more out of our team. And when you really think about it, you know, I don't think anybody expected the highs that we've seen so far this season. You know, starting out, I think we were 30, 31 and three or 34 and three. We were, you know, essentially at the top of the baseball world. And, you know, we really didn't get a lot of credit for it. It took us a long time to, to rate, to raise up, to raise ourselves up in the polls. I mean, I, I don't, I, I think we started in some rankings outside of the top 25. And then we eventually, you know, got into the top 25 and got as high as number three in the country. And I think that this is a perfect time to take a step back and, and kind of think about some of those injuries. You know, one of the things that I, I think about all the time when I think about this Gamecock team is just the injuries we've had in the pitching rotation. You know, when you, when you lose guys like a, like a Noah Hall, when you lose like an Eli Jerbovinsky, I'm, by the way, one thing you will figure out in listening to the show is I don't always do the best on name pronunciations, but you know, we had two two rock solid arms, and then Will Sanders gets dinged up, and he's out for a little bit. And you start thinking about the gauntlet of the SEC schedule, plus you know the one or two midweek games that you have throughout the season, and you start piling up injuries at the pitching position, and and now you're having to rely on guys that you weren't relying on for certain roles. And one of the things that I think about all the time is, you know, how many innings are there? in a weekend series. And then, you know, obviously you got three nine inning games, you know, with the 10 run rule, sometimes the game ends in the seventh, eighth inning, but you know, you really, you really are counting on your pitcher to be able to give you a strong five, six, seven innings. So when you, when you lose, you know, kind of your midweek guy in Eli and then your, your Saturday guy in Noah and Noah was playing at the top of the top of his level, I mean, he, I don't know if there was a better pitcher in college baseball at the time of his injury, and especially as, as, you know, Will Sanders was trying to kind of work through some of the issues that plagued him this year. I think a lot of that was just overthinking it. Um, I think that he kind of wanted to put the team on his back, and he knew this was his last hurrah, and he, he, he wanted to get to Omaha. And, you know, I think he put a lot of pressure on himself, and I think that might have caused some of the injuries, some of the, some of the you know, kind of, kind of not what we were used to seeing out of Will Sanders. So anyway, you know, we're talking about the Gamecocks right now, and we're talking about how we are finally healthy, as healthy as we're going to be the rest of the season. And you look at the regional this past weekend, and I think it showed. Um, you know, I think we can dive right in right now and, and talk about the regional. You know, game one, you know, we were the number one seed in our region. It was great to have college baseball in a regional back in Founders Park, and our fans came out and 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 they really did support the team, and that, that that's what you want. That's what makes Founders Park so special. And when it's rocking and rolling, I don't I don't think there's a a more intimidating place to play a college baseball game as a, as a road team. So you know, Gamecocks were fired up. We're the fifteenth fifteenth overall seed in the tournament. We got a regional, and we didn't really know what to expect. I mean, a lot of the season has been. You know, just which Gamecock team is going to show up, and especially lately, it hasn't been one that's been a lot of fun to watch. But man, did they come out and they came out strong. I'm I'm so glad that we didn't have to face the Central Connecticut State pitcher that pitched on um, Saturday <laughs> against Campbell because that dude was dealing. But you know, we got a we got a an overmatched 
Central Connecticut State game, State team, which, you know, was the perfect game for us to kind of get right. Um, you know, when you look at that, you know, the Gamecocks ended up winning 19-1. to And one of the things that we've seen recently was, you know, a lot of swing and misses. You know, a lot of, you know, not capitalizing those clutch moments. And, you know, they did capitalize in game one and really set the tone. Um, you know, they capitalized on bases loaded situations. Um, they scored multiple runs throughout the game. You know, it's always great to get those crooked numbers up on the scoreboard. And the Gamecocks did a great job of that. I mean, you got to talk about in the second inning, you know, Ethan Petrie's walk with the bases loaded brought in a run. So we got that early advantage. And then the, the offensive onslaught just continued. I mean, we added more runs the following inning. But, you know, the fourth inning was really that big inning that we came in and, and scored 11 runs. And, you know, I, I I remember something on the broadcast, and I, I believe that the broadcast mentioned that we were the first team in the modern era of the NCAA tournament to score 10, 10 plus runs in an inning. And I can't remember if that's exactly right, but that's what memory my memory is telling me right now. So, you know, when you have that, you have an 11 run inning. I mean, that's just, it's really hard for a team to come back from that, especially a team as, as overmatched as Central Connecticut was. But, you know, it was good to see Gavin, Gavin Casas get really get going again. Will McGillis was back in the lineup. Dylan Brewer gave some key hits. I mean, all those guys were driving in runs. And, and, you know, James Hicks, you know, a lot of times you talk about, do we start our ace on Fridays? In a regional, and especially if you're the one seed in your regional, I I lean pretty hardcore that you probably have a number two, three, or four guy that you can get by that first game in. And you know, truthfully, it, it was a risk for for Mark Kingston to do that because you know I, the the stats show that if you lose game one in a regional or, or your first game in a regional, you only have a twenty percent chance of, of coming out of the, coming out of that regional and surviving. You know what is that three or four straight elimination games? So it, it was a risk, but you know, James Hicks has been pitching really well lately. You know, he's been somebody that we can count on and you know, I think it was between him and Becker, but you know, Kingston went with Hicks and I think that really did set up, set up the Gamecocks for, you know, a strong regional. Um, you know, he got, he got five innings in, he allowed one hit and no runs and he struck out six. I don't know, you know, how much better you can do in those types of situations. And then, you think about the bullpen in that game. You know, Will Sanders got back in, got back into the fold. He was on the mound, and man, he looked he looked dialed in, and he looked good. And I, I really do think that that was the perfect opportunity for Coach Kingston to get Will Sanders back into the game, get his feet wet, you know, get those juices going. And in a game where he didn't have to be perfect, he just had to he had to hold serve, and you know he you know he wanted it. He wanted to go out there and strike everybody out, and he did a pretty pretty good job of that. Um, but you had Alston Williamson get some innings in Connor McCreary. So they closed out the game effectively and we really didn't have to get into our key arms, which I think really helped us out. Um, you know, you look at Gavin Casas, 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 I'm going to say it, say it all kinds of different ways, guys, so bear with me. But, um, you know, Casas, Petri, McGillis, Braswell, you know, they each had three RBIs. You, know, you beat a team 19 to one and some guys are going to pile up some numbers. Um, they only Central Connecticut State. Connecticut State only scored one run, and that was on a wild pitch in the eighth inning. You know, not much you can really get mad about there. Um, and Gamecocks got their 40th win of the season, um, so that that was huge. You know, we always talk about 40 wins in a college baseball season, and you know, we we wanted to get that 40th win in the SEC tournament against LSU. 
it didn't happen. Then we didn't get it against Texas A&M. So, you know, getting that 40th win is it's a feather in the cap for the boys and, you know, really excited for their success there. I think for the Gamecocks, the regional really started in game two. You know, you had NC State come out and NC State took care of business in, in their first game against Campbell. And, you know, when you talk about the Campbell Camels and especially the national media, um, I mean, Campbell was the Cinderella. They were the team that got robbed, should have hosted a regional you know, and I can see arguments for that, especially if you go by the RPI. They probably should have hosted a regional, but when you don't have the venue, you know, it's kind of tough to do that. You know, Campbell is not well suited to to host a regional. So Campbell came in, and a lot of people were picking Campbell to come out of this regional, and NC State just took it to them. I mean, it was a dominant win, and you know, the Gamecocks now had NC State coming to town, and man. SEC versus ACC, you know, a lot of folks talked about the strength of the SEC overall this season, and, and obviously the SEC is strong every single year. But NC State was a team that, you know, if you talk to some people around the sport, if, if they're on, they're a team that can, can provide a little bit of a challenge. But Gamecocks did come out of that game against NC State. They won 6-3. They stayed in the winner's bracket. And again, in a regional format, it is so important to stay in that winner's bracket. It just puts so much stress on the teams in the losing the losers bracket to for their bullpen for their pitchers for their players it's just a, it's a taxing taxing thing for those guys so you know this was a close game there you know until the third inning you know South Carolina took the lead you had Will McGillis who goodness gracious you know he walked with two outs then Braylon Wimmer followed up with a home run and Gamecocks were up two nothing and then we you know we get to the fifth inning the Gamecocks you know broke the game open with two outs bases loaded. LaCroix drew a walk. Now it's 3 nothing. Cassis delivered yet again with another clutch hit, bringing in two more runs. And then, you know, Michael Braswell had another single there. So, you know, once it got to 6 nothing, you, you kind of could breathe as a Gamecock fan again. At, at least, you know, at least I could. And look, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm, I'm going to try and take my garnet-colored glasses off when I can. But, you know, being a Gamecock grad, being around this program my entire life and being around this university – you know, I, I like it when the Gamecocks do well. So when we got up, when the Gamecocks got up six nothing, I could kind of take a breath there. Um, NC State didn't go away though. Um, one of the things that you know I, I talk a lot about when I talk about baseball is you know that shutdown inning after you, you put a crooked number up on the scoreboard, and you know we got to the sixth inning and NC State fired off three runs to make it six three, and all of a sudden it was it was a ball game again. Um, Mahoney, you know, talk about pitching there, you know, he did great. He went six innings. He allowed the three runs on seven hits, but he also struck out six batters. And the key thing there was he didn't give any walks. He didn't issue a single walk in postseason baseball. You know, when you're talking about giving free bases, they usually always come back to bite you. So it was nice to see, you know, Eli Jones, Chris Veach get out there, you know, Veach got the save, um, NC State's starting pitcher kind of struggled. He gave up those four runs on three hits. You know, he walked five batters over four and two-thirds innings. So he got the loss there. But it just goes back to talking about walking those five batters. I think that you know going forward with the Gamecocks, the biggest thing is you, know, you never want to watch strike three you know, get called and then you're out. But you got to fight. You got to battle at the plate. You got to take those free bases when they give it to you, whether it comes from a walk or it comes from you know getting beamed. You got to take advantage of those bases, and and the Gamecocks did that against NC State. Um, at the end of the game, you know Carolina got to 41 wins. 
Um, NC State fell to 36 and 20, and it really just you know showed you that you you beat a quality team when you beat NC State, and now you know you're really sitting pretty here in a regional because now you got you got Campbell and NC State in, a, in an elimination game, and then they're gonna have to turn right around and play the winners gonna have to play the Gamecocks on Sunday night. Um, and look, you know those Campbell Camels they they didn't have the offense in game one against NC State, but man, when they played. When they played Central Connecticut State and then, you know, they went up against NC State, I think that at one time they scored like, uh, I can't remember, someone sent me a text. I think it was like 16 or 18 runs over like the last seven innings. So, you know, they kind of found, they found their way around Founders Park. And, you know, anytime a team comes comes through like that, that, that gets a little difficult and it gets a little, gets a little worrisome, you know, for that um, second game of the doubleheader because they're feeling good, they're feeling confident. But, man, in game three – South Carolina just, I mean, just put on another offensive onslaught. I mean, it's a 16-7 victory. You know, the seven runs, you know, they, they got five of them, I think, in one inning. Or, or, or no, they got two in, two in an inning, and they got three in an inning, and then tacked on two more later. But the game was really never in doubt. Um, Gamecocks, you know, goodness gracious. You know, everything they did there was just right. And when you have a team like this Gamecock team right now who – you can see the excitement in the in the dugout again. You can see the team playing loose. I mean, to put up 41 runs in three games against the competition they played, I mean, you're talking about 11 runs on average between the NC State game and the Campbell game. So the Gamecocks are definitely a team that is rounding into form. And, you know, the Gamecocks got a lot of good news this past weekend. Um, you know, the Gamecock fans were certainly pulling for Tennessee in that and that just 14 inning just gauntlet of a game with Clemson and Tennessee and you know Tennessee you know came out came out victorious there and then you know you look at the next day and, and Clemson's playing Charlotte and you know my gosh how much has Charlotte just been a thorn in the Gamecocks side over the past couple of years I mean they, they took two from us this year two from the Gamecocks there again there's the us guys but um, you know, Charlotte took two from the Gamecocks this year, and you know, everyone kind of had a feeling that Clemson was going to have to play, you know, play their best to eliminate Charlotte. And you know, Clemson was pl- was was playing really well. I think they were no hitting, no hitting Charlotte through like five innings, through six innings, and then boom, home run, then boom, another run, and then you know, final score I think was three to two, four to two, something like that, and Clemson gets eliminated. And all Gamecock fans everywhere celebrate. Um, so it really did set up, you know, a really, really fun, fun night Sunday. The Gamecocks ended up closing out their regional. They fit, they faced the minimum number of teams. And now the Gamecocks are well-rested. They didn't really burn up too many innings. The players are feeling good. Um, then all eyes obviously turned to the Florida-Texas Tech um Series, you know, it's not really a series, but it really was. You know, it was the best two out of three there for Florida, and, uh, and Texas Tech just had to win one. And all of Gamecock Nation was pulling for the Red Raiders, and Florida's bats just got hot, and there was nothing really that Texas Tech could do. I mean, you know, you, you look at Florida, and they, and they are a tough team. And I guess we'll 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 turn right now, and we will start previewing this this region, this super regional that we have coming up this weekend. I'm not going to go too in depth here, but I do just want to point out that you know you think about when South Carolina was playing its best baseball of the season, and undoubtedly it reached a crescendo in the series against Florida at Founders Park. Um, 
Gamecocks, you know, they swept Florida. Yeah, three games to none. And, you know, it, it, the games were close, especially game two and three. But, you know, the first game you're talking about, Gamecocks winning 13-3 in seven innings. They go on to win 5-2 and 7-5. So the Gamecocks know that they can hit Florida. Um, they know they can, and they're they're going to be – they're going to be excited for a chance to go to Omaha. All roads to Omaha now run through Gainesville, Florida, for the Gamecocks. And we'll, we'll talk a lot more about this later in the week. Um, kind of get my ducks in a row and start you know, doing a deep dive into Florida, see, see what's changed with those guys since the Gamecocks last, last played them. But, you know, in baseball, you think about baseball, and it's, it's such a sport where your mentality matters and your frame of mind matters. And, you know, Florida's going to come out and they're going to want revenge. But, you know, you kind of wonder, do the Gamecocks have the mental edge over the Gators right now just from the fact that they've, they've already done it this year? You know, is it going to be tough to beat Florida five times in a season? Yeah. But when you get to the Super Regionals, it's going to be tough to beat any team two times. And the Gamecocks have been on the other end of this before. You know, the Gamecocks have been, you know, cream of the crop in college baseball. And, you know, you go back to Louisiana Lafayette and – we all know what happened there when a truly special season got derailed in the Super Regionals. So anything can happen in the Supers. You know, it's a chance to go to Omaha, and, and obviously Gamecock Nation will be locked in and be ready for that tilt coming up. I don't know if it'll be a Thursday or Friday start. Um, we'll have to look into that, but I'm hoping Friday. You get the Friday, Saturday, and, and hopefully the Gamecocks take care of business on Friday and Saturday, and you can have, have a nice relaxing Sunday getting ready for Omaha and, and watching all the other teams you know, compete to, to have that dog pile on, on the, on the center of the center of the diamond. So that, that's the regional roundup. Um, like, like I said, it couldn't have gone any better than it did for the Gamecocks, you know, looking at, looking at the, the supers, we'll, we'll talk more about next week, but one of the, one of the things that I want to talk about right now, and I'm going to try and make this a pretty routine segment on the show is, you know, let's have a little bit of a recruiting roundup. You know, right now we're, we're predominantly talking about football recruiting, Football recruiting, especially in the summer months, is it's prime time for for coaches to be recruiting out there and then players to be coming out to come out to colleges, taking a tour of the facilities, taking a tour of the stadium, taking a tour of the college. You know, talking to to folks in academia that can help them figure out where 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 they're going to fit in their in their college career. And and summertime is a great time to do it. You have the the fun times that. At the pools, you have the fun times at Beamer's house, and they, they do a lot of fun activities for these guys. But let's look at the the official visits that we had over the weekend. Um, we're going to start out with four-star wide receiver Keelan Adams. Keelan Adams is from Virginia. He's a four-star receiver, six foot one, 175 pounds. In the 24-7 composite, he's ranked 185th overall and the 27th best wide receiver in the country. You know, he visited this past weekend for an unofficial visit. He, he he had really good things to say about the program and the team's vibe and, you know, how they work and the ability to be themselves off the field. You know, he really connected with Beamer. He connected with the players. And, and I think he knows that when it's time to work, it's time to work. But, you know, South Carolina is all about culture. And when you have that culture in there or the players enjoy spending time with one another on and off the field, um, you know, he saw that firsthand. One of the coolest things that came out of this weekend was, you know, you had four-star quarterback commitment, Dante Reno, and four-star wide receiver commitment, Mazio Bennett, that were on hand for the Beamer football camp that happened, you know, simultaneously. But it's also important to get as many commits as you can when you have official visitors and unofficial visitors. But, you know, 
Keelan went out there and he he ran some routes and caught some passes from Dante Reno and he worked with Mazio Bennett and and he talked about how important it was for these guys to start practicing together and throwing the ball and getting a feel for each other before they get to campus. Um, he kind of talked like he wanted to be a part of, of that you know Gamecock recruiting class when you talk about Dante Reno and Mazio and, and, and kind of bonding there. So we'll see what happens. You know, it was just an unofficial visit. Um, he does have official visits playing with Alabama and Virginia Tech in June. And right now he is slated for his college announcement for July 13th. The next guy we're going to talk about here is four-star athlete Jalewis Solomon out of Georgia. Um, another kid, 6'1", 185 pounds, 186th overall player in the 24-7 composite and the 15th highest rated athlete in the country. Um, for South Carolina, you know, Jalewis is going to be a defensive back. Um, he's already named South Carolina as his leader after the official visit. He was impressed by the atmosphere. Um, he, he really appreciated the time and effort that the coaches spent with his family, and especially the time he got with Shane and, and Torian Gray. Um, Solomon does have scheduled visit to Florida State later in June, but you know he plans to make a decision in early July. Um, you know, it's one of those things with Florida State, and you know, you, you kind of get a vibe here that it's a South Carolina and a Florida State battle, and you know that it's kind of weird. You know, people talk about is it better to have the first official visit or the last official visit, or you know, what 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 should you be looking for when you're trying to you know pitch a recruit and make that last solid solid pitch to get him in your program. But you know, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to fend off visits from Florida State. Uh, we'll see what happens there. I'm an interesting note here on Jalewis Solomon. Um, his younger brother is actually ranked a five-star in the class of 2025. Um, he's a linebacker named Zayden Walker. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, if there can be some kind of connection there between Jalewis and the Gamecocks and then maybe Zayden Walker as well. But so just a name to keep an eye on, you know, think about, think about what that kind of pairing could do in the, game, in the Gamecock uniform, and that's exciting. So another wide receiver here, um, four-star wide receiver Parker Livingstone, um, a big kid, 6'3", 185 pounds out of Texas. Um, in the 24-7 composite, he's the 286th overall, and he's the 42nd best wide receiver. Uh, he, he really had a good visit. I, I don't know if it's going to be enough to pry him away from the state of Texas. Um, we all know the state of Texas and what that draw is for those kids that grew up, you know, Pulling for pulling for Texas and and watching all those Vince Young teams and so much success there in Texas, but you know he really did like the connection he had with Shane Beamer, Coach Loggins, you know Justin Stepp. He he really did like the academics at the university, and you know we got to get through some more official visits here for him. You know you got Texas and you got LSU on the docket with a with a commitment that's supposed to come on July first. So he did say that, you know, South Carolina set a high standard for his remaining visit. So we'll see what the guys can do here. I know he has a great relationship with Dante Reno. They've spent a lot of time talking. You know, Dante Reno might as well might as well just be the, the recruiting coordinator at this point, especially when it comes to the to the prospects. He he is all over the place there and doing everything he can to support the Gamecocks. An interesting name here that we need to talk about is Braylon Russell. Um, a running back out of Arkansas. You know, you're talking six foot two, 230 pounds. Um, the 24 seven composite. He's a four star, ranked 290th overall. 
uh, 23rd running back, 23rd ranked running back in the class. Um, he was a commitment to Arkansas, which is, which is a little interesting because you think about, you know, obviously you had Kendall Bryles at Arkansas. He's no longer there. You had Dowell Loggins at Arkansas. Obviously, he's our he's the offensive coordinator at South Carolina. And this this kid this is a six foot two, two hundred thirty pound running back. And you know, he talked about Shane Beamer mentioning that they had a specific need for a kid his size in the running back room. You know, a bigger back that can kind of move the pile, be great in short yarded situations. And um, interesting enough, he was committed to Arkansas. He backed off that commitment about four months ago. Um, he's got he's got South Carolina in his top three. You know, he's looking to to see some early playing time. And and South Carolina obviously has a great story to sell there. Um, I do think that this one is a is a player that we're going to run the race with. South Carolina is going to run the run the race with. He's got some some visits planned for Baylor, Arkansas, and Tennessee. And he's another kid with a, a July decision time frame, so July fourteenth. So if you're if you're looking right now, and you July has the potential to be a very big month for the Gamecocks. Um, we've only talked about you know four star players so far, and a lot of them are making decisions in July. So you always talk about that blue chip ratio, and, and J.C. Sherbert, he might not have come up with it. I, I, he might have coined it. I don't know. I have to ask J.C. that. But that blue chip ratio of you know what percentage of your roster is made up of four and five star players and you know that really does tell the story of you know how successful you can be on the gridiron and on the football field. So excited to see all these four stars coming to campus. It's a, it's a good thing for Shane Beamer. It's a good thing for the Gamecock program. Um, we're going to talk now about um, Kaj Sanders. Kaj Sanders again. Some of these pronunciations, guys. You know, I know them by their last name most of the time, and and looking at, looking at, looking at him and talking talking to folks about these guys. So um, I'll butcher the I'll butcher the name sometimes. But he's a six foot one, 175 pound safety out of New Jersey. Um, composite ranks him for 470th in the country. He's the 45th ranked safety. Um, he's he's from up in New Jersey. Um, you know we're talking about that DC New Jersey pipeline that the Gamecocks are trying to are trying to get it trying to continue. And they're definitely got it started. We got to see if they can continue it. But he had a good time, you know. His parents loved the Gamecocks coach Torian Gray. Torian Gray does a really good job with these secondary recruits, and especially their families. Um, when you have the resume that Torian Gray has, he doesn't have to do a lot of recruiting. It's much more just look at look at what I've done for for players that are similar to you. I want to do the same thing with you. I, I think I, I think that you have the talent. I believe in you, and we're going to see what happens here with um, Kaj Sanders. But, you know, he does have official visits coming up to North Carolina, Miami, and Penn State. But South Carolina is, is currently high on his list. He wants to take some more visits before he really comes out with a public list. But, you know, he's someone that's, you know, he's, he's prioritizing the good things, you know, when it comes to recruiting. He's prioritizing the relationship with the coaches and the academics. And he's another July time frame for a decision. We're looking at July 30th for that young man. Moving on here, we got three-star defensive tackle, Dinas White. Um, he's about 6'3", 6'4", 310 pounds. Um, he's you know, ranked 632nd in the composite rankings, 59th ranked defensive tackle. Um, you know, Gamecocks have been on his radar for a while. Um, he's, you know, he's a three-star guy that you know, has a lot of the tools and he has a lot of the size that you're looking for for that, the defensive tackle slot on the defense, but he, he was someone that I think really wanted to get a better feel for, for Travian Robertson, the new defensive line coach. Um, he's got some other official visits scheduled. I mean, at least one I know about to Virginia tech, 
Um, that'll be later in June. But he's one that we're really going to have to – the Gamecocks are really going to have to run the race for. Um, he's not making a decision until November or December. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, I do know that he wants to be close to home, and he, he's going to be looking at the depth chart. And, you know, the Gamecocks do have strong numbers on the depth chart right now at defensive line, and I think it's only going to get better in this recruiting class. So we'll see what happens with him, but I do know that he was somebody that was a priority to get in for an official visit this summer. Um, coming through here, let's see another, another guy that visited over the weekend was three-star cornerback Chasen Johnson out of Florida, you know, six, one, 180 pounds. This is a guy that I, I think is, is pretty underrated currently. Um, you know, when you got six, six foot one, 180, I mean, that, that's just Torian Gray's wheelhouse. And for Torian Gray to, you know, go down to Florida, work with them and, you know, get him to camp and, 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 and just, just see what he's all about. And I think these guys have a pretty tight bond here. Um, you know, getting a chance to meet Coach Beamer, you know, he Beamer doesn't mess up with these guys. I'll put it that way. You know, especially on official visits, you know, Shane does a great job of connecting with these young men. Torian does a great job with connecting with these young men. And this is the kind of guy that I think that, you know, if he doesn't blow up, I I have a lot of conviction here that he's going to be a guy that you look up and you wonder how is he a top top three round pick because you know he was a three star out of college out of high school and and you know might be a diamond in the rough. You know he does have some visits planned. He's going to Pittsburgh, West Virginia, talking a little about a little bit about Oregon State, and he's going to camp at A and M. I, I think that I think that you watch and you see what happens if he camps at, at Texas A and M and to see if Texas A and M offers. Um, I, I'll leave it at that. I think that, you know, if the Gamecocks can sneak him through, I think they'd like to, but we'll just see what happens there. Um, so really quick, we'll talk about upcoming official visits. Um, you know, we got some of it, we got some official visitors coming in this weekend for the Gamecocks. Um, the first one we'll talk about is a four-star safety named Jarvis Boatwright from Clearwater, Florida. I don't know if he's going to make it in for his official visit. Um, he did commit to Southern Cal yesterday on June 4th, so I wouldn't be surprised if he cancels his visit for this weekend. Um, probably in the long shot category, but but Shane's not going to stop recruiting him um, unless Boatwright just says, "Hey, I'm shutting down my recruiting entirely." You know, Southern Cal is a long way away from Clearwater, Florida, and things can always change in recruiting. So remember the name. Let's see if he makes it in this weekend. But um, you know, he has committed to Southern Cal. So we'll see what happens with the with that kid. Uh, three-star running back Matthew Fuller from Jessup, Georgia. Um, he was a kid that was offered by the Gamecocks in mid-May. And I think we're just going to see where his recruitment goes. Um, you know, we mentioned this earlier. The Gamecocks really need some running backs, and they do have a good story to tell. Um, he's already officially visited Georgia Tech, so I think he's one of the guys that, you know, you just want get to into, get into the official visit and just see where things go with him. Um, another one that's coming in next week is a four-star, six-foot-four, two hundred and sixty-pound defensive lineman Justin Green. Um, Green is from Lawrenceville, Georgia. He's a kid that's been crystal balled to Georgia by the Oracle Steve Wilfong. If if you guys aren't on the Big Spur, you don't look at crystal balls. You know when Steve Wilfong speaks, you better take notice. It's only a confidence of six out of ten right now from Steve, but all you can ask for now is to is to get the kid on campus and let, let's see what happens. This kid right here is, is really an exciting player. It's a um, he's gonna. This kid right here, Wal, 
Walter Matthews, a four-star, 6'7", 245-pound tight end. Um, I, he's just a big athletic kid. He's you know ranked top 100 in pretty much any recruiting site you look at. Um, he's got offers from everywhere. Um, he's already visited officially Florida and Southern Cal. He's had a handful of unofficial visits at schools like Colorado, Georgia Tech, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, etc. I mean, you kind of get the idea here. You know, South Carolina did flip their tight end room, you know, for the upcoming football season with players on the roster. But, you know, you're going to have at least one departure with Trey Knox at the end of the season. And it also wouldn't be a surprise to me to see Joshua Simon depart. I think that those two guys are going to have a big year this year. So, you know, you kind of want to pair another tight end with our commitment or the South Carolina's commitment from four-star tight end Michael Smith. Um, you know, you'd love to, you would love to stack talented tight ends year over year for the – for especially everything that South Carolina does with their tight end, right? You know, it's not just an offensive position. It is a position where, you know, they might be on special teams some. You know, they might flex out and play a little bit of wide receiver in the slot. I mean, there's a lot of things South Carolina does with tight ends. So stacking tight ends is is, is critical. Um, got a couple more here for you. Uh, I think, what, got three or four more. Um, you got a three-star composite, but a four-star prospect on 24-7 and linebacker Elijah Newby from Cheshire, Connecticut. Uh, no crystal ball is placed on him quite yet, but he has officially visited Southern Cal, Penn State, and Stanford. Um, this kid's an athlete. Um, he's put up some impressive times in the 100 meter for his size while he's also jumping six foot two on the high jump and long jumping 18 feet, three and a half inches. So, you look at a linebacker with his size that can that, that can move like that as, a, as that athletic, and it's a guy that you're going to see rise in the rankings, and it's always good to get those guys on campus before they blow up. Um, let's see here. This guy is not in the composite rankings, but um, he checks in as a three-star on 24-7 sports. Um, defensive lineman Namadi Ojaboko from Durham, North Carolina. Uh, I'll get that name right for you next time, but – this kid's seen a flurry of offers come in over the last few months. I mean, you're looking at teams like Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, Michigan, all of those guys offered in April. And then you look in May, and it's NC State, Michigan State, Maryland. Um, he's already officially visited Rutgers, has upcoming official visits with South Carolina and Florida here in June. And he seems like a guy that popped up on a lot of teams' radars here recently. And that's usually a good sign about a player's talent level when you see this many top schools offering in a flurry. Um, good for South Carolina for securing an official visit so quickly after offering. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, the last one here we're going to talk about of the guys that are coming in this weekend. Composite four-star defensive back Malcolm Ziegler from Fuquay, Verna, North Carolina. Um, another guy that's getting offers, and he's getting official visits set up with some top schools. Uh, Gamecocks offered him back in February since then. You know, you've seen the West Virginias, Penn States, Virginia Techs, uh, North Carolina. I'm just going through it really quick, looking up for you guys. Notre Dame, Louisville, Kentucky, and Clemson have all offered uh, Malcolm Ziegler. Um, upcoming official visits are to South Carolina, Notre Dame, and North Carolina. So that's South Carolina, Notre Dame, and North Carolina. Four-star composite defensive back. You really can't have enough of those guys in your program. So that is the... Recap from this past weekend's official visitors and a little bit of a preview coming into this upcoming weekend, and and we'll see what happens there. It's a really exciting time to be a Gamecock, so really pumped up there, um, especially for all the fans. And you know, like I said, I'm I'm a pull for them, so we'll see what happens. 
So real quick here, um, I don't know if we're going to have time for a QA. and um, I did have some questions get piled up with some friends when I told them I'd be doing this show. So do have some questions that are piling up. Um, we'll see. I might, I might answer one or two of them. But really quick, I want to plug Carolina Rise right now. If you are not familiar with name image likeness, and you know what's what's available for college athletes right now to really kind of help themselves and help support themselves while they're in college and the opportunities that are out there. Um, Carolina Rise does a great job of this, and it's not always these guys getting millions of dollars to play football. That that's not what it is. Um, you you find ways to to help these guys out, and and they provide a service. You know they are doing something. They're providing their their name, image, and likeness to promote something, and. You know, the company that I work for, you know, we do some NIL stuff with the Gamecocks. So we only work with Carolina Rise. Um, Carolina Rise is such a big deal because, you know, when you have somebody like J.C. Sherbert, who's kind of heading this thing up, he knows all the ins and outs of the recruiting game. He knows the ins and outs of the transfer transfer portal, and he has contacts throughout the state of South Carolina. So if you haven't donated to NIL, I strongly consider, I, I strongly recommend that you do. Um, NIL is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. And, you know, just really quickly, I want to give you, give you a plug here for, you know, the folks that, that Carolina rise is supporting in our athletic program and the Gamecock athletic program, um, football, you know, you got Mo Kava, Nick and Mawari, DQ Smith, Stone Blanton, Trey Knox, Josh Simon, Eddie Lewis, Desmond Uzaluli, Sidney Fugar, Mario Anderson, Jr., Xavier Leggett. Marcellus Dial, O'Donnell Fortune, Juju McDowell, Takarion Joyner, Vershawn Lee, Ja'Kai Moore, Trey Jones, Jalen Nichols, and Tyshawn Wanamaker. You know, especially on the football field this upcoming season, you're going to see those guys, you know, doing some really good things for the Gamecocks. And, and Carolina Rise helps, you know, keep them Gamecocks once they, once they sign on that dotted line for their scholarship at the University of South Carolina. So remember NIL. Remember the things that that remember the ways that it impacts the program. Talking about baseball right now, I mean, I think pretty much the entire baseball team is somehow connected with Carolina Rise with Ethan Petrie, Noah Hall, Jack Mahoney, Braylon Wimmer, Dylan Brewer, Talmadge LaCroix, Evan Stone, Matthew Becker, Kate Alston, Cole Messina, Carson Horna, Gavin, Gavin Cassis, Ricky Williams, and, and Roman Kimball. So, you know, it's not just football that NIL helps in. I'm going to have an entire episode one day dedicated just to name, image, and likeness, and we will talk all about that in the future. But um, just take a look at Carolina Rise. It's carolinarise.com. There are a ton of ways that you can get involved, and it doesn't mean that you have to spend $1,000 a month, a million dollars a month, or anything. You know, Every little bit helps, and it all goes towards you know helping Carolina have the very best athletics programs that they can. So I told you guys that, you know, I did get some Q&As here and um, I, I encourage you all for next episode, send me some questions in the mailbox. You know, the, the email address I mentioned earlier, I will mention it again. The email address is late night Gamecock show at gmail.com. Again, it is late night Gamecock show at gmail.com. Hit me up with any questions you have. I'll be glad to get to as many of them as I can throughout throughout the entire entirety of this show. And um, like I said, the show is going to be on Mondays and Thursdays. So give me a little bit of time, but you know, having that time in between shows gives me the opportunity to better answer your questions. And if I don't know, I will get the answers to your questions one way or another. So real quick, I guess, um, I guess I'm going to go with what the first one here says, what's your favorite Gamecock memory, football game, college, et cetera. 
Um, you know, for me, I was a student at the University of South Carolina during the Spurrier days. So one of my favorite memories, and, you know, it's hard just picking just one, but, you know, beating Florida in the Swamp to win the SEC East Division, um, you know, it was Carolina's first division championship. It allowed us to, it allowed us to play in the, in the SEC championship game. You know, unfortunately, ran into Cam Newton and didn't get that elusive conference championship. But Marcus Lattimore was just so special that year, and you really hate what injuries did to his career. But that season was so special for so many reasons, and winning in Florida just capped everything off. So, yeah, um, I mean, obviously you got the the Final Four in men's basketball. You got the back-to-back national titles in baseball. Um, we've had a, had a lot of good things to celebrate as a Gamecock lately. Um, it just seems like we can never get all the sports programs rolling at one time. So some of these other questions here, you know, how will the offense look different with Dowell Loggins? I'm going to try and do rapid fire here, try and keep this no longer than another five minutes. But, you know, it's a pretty interesting question. I think that Loggins clearly has the mental capacity to put together some interesting concepts from his time around the NFL. And then, you know, especially lately at Arkansas, learning from Kendall Bryles, you know, you have the spread, you have air raid, you have, you know, the balanced approach from the NFL. But I think that the the key for him this year is going to be figuring out the rushing attack. You know, we, we don't have the best running back room right now. Um, not to say that a lot of these players can't surprise me, but we don't really have the prototypical size in the running back room. So that's something that, you know, you, you have to worry about. We'll see how Mario Anderson Jr., you know, trans transfers over to, South Carolina from Newberry and he's built like Marshawn Lloyd and you know, he's, he's a warrior in the, in the weight room. And I've talked to people that tell me if you put him and Marshawn Lloyd next to each other, you'd think you were looking at twins. So from that standpoint, I do think that Mario Anderson jr. Is going to be able to help us, but just that mental, that mental switch from, you know, playing to Newberry to the sec is something that, that might take some time. I think that you're going to have to get creative in short yardage situations. I mean, we've talked about Lenore Sellers. Lenore is somebody that I, I think he's special. I mean, I just I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, I think that he is somebody that can lead the Gamecocks to to two championships, two banners, to to big bowl games. You know, all the above. So I think that you'll see Lenore in some special packages. I think that you will. You'll have to see us get creative. You know. I'm, I was never a big fan of, you know, passing the ball behind the behind the sticks necessarily or behind the line of scrimmage, behind the first down stick, but you know, we'll see what happens, but I I do think that you're going to see um you're going to see a lot of passing. I I just don't think you're going to be able to run the ball in a balanced way. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be 80-20, you know, air raid type stuff, but I do think that what you're going to see is um probably a good 60-65% pass first to run this year unless they can get something going. We'll see what happens with the carry on joiner, but I think that's the biggest thing right there. You know, how will the offense look? I don't think that a, a lot of uh, what's happening behind closed doors is, is readily available for the masses to consume, which is by design. So it might be, you know, a little bit into fall practice when some, some stuff gets kind of let out the bag and you start getting some interviews with players and you hear stuff from around the program. So, so we'll see what happens then. And then, you know, you obviously North Carolina is a big game to start the season. So you really don't want to give away too much of your ammunition there. Um, but the last thing I'll say on, I think you're going to see tight ends a lot in this offense. I think the tight ends are going to be heavily, heavily relied on this year. Um, 
so what is the biggest impact of Carolina Rise and other NIL groups? What edge does Carolina Rise have in this department? I talked about it briefly a little while ago, so I'm not going to spend any more time on that right now, but there will be another episode you know, regarding that in the future. Um, what is the next facilities upgrade coming down the pipeline for any sport? Um, okay, 11 out of 10. We've all heard about it. We've all talked about it. We all have heard this. We've heard it all. I mean, it's going to be special. It's going to be something that there's nothing else like it in college sports as it exists today. So you'll have to wait on that. We'll get some more details as we can, but you're talking about billions of dollars, billions with a B of investment. So we'll talk more about that as we can, but um, that that was going to be the next critical thing um, that's coming down the pipeline in South Carolina facilities. All right, so we're, we're going to save some of these questions for um, the next episode just because we're kind of running short on time here. But again, um, I really appreciate everybody for listening. Like I said, you know, please reach out to me um, via email right now until we get everything else set up. But the email is late night gamecock show at gmail.com. Late night gamecock show at gmail.com. And um, I will plan to be back here, probably record on Thursday. And until we get the YouTube rolling, you know, this will be the best way to hear to hear me. So um, we'll talk again soon. Again, this is Matt with um, the Late Night Gamecock Show. And I hope you guys have a, a great evening and a great week. And we will talk again soon. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.